Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, Sunday, the 11th of uh, December in the year 2005, and we are in the Upper Hamlet during our winter retreat. If you have been in hell, and then you have uh, the capacity to uh, recognize uh, paradise. You may be in paradise, but you don't, uh, you don't recognize it. You are not capable of touching it. But if you have already been in hell, many of us have been, and then you have uh, a chance, you have an opportunity, because being in hell is a very basic condition for us to be able to recognize that we are in paradise, in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. Suffering is uh, the background. Suffering is the condition. When you practice uh, uh, mindful walking, you may touch the kingdom of God, the pure land of the Buddha with uh, every step. Because you have uh, had a chance to walk in hell, it's so hard, it's so difficult. That is, now you are capable of uh, touching the pure land, the kingdom of God. Those of us who have been in hell, uh, we are lucky because we know what it is like hell. And if you compare with the situation now, uh, we can recognize that uh, we are very lucky. We now have the capacity of uh, uh, walking in uh, in paradise. <coughs> when you practice walking, you involve uh, your body into uh, the practice. Of course, you don't walk with your mind. If you walk with your mind, only uh, you get lost. In the Vietnamese uh, Gata, we read, uh, we, we recite, đi chơi trong bảng môn, nên đi bằng hai chân. Không nên đi bằng đầu, đi bằng đầu sẽ lạc. 
it means that uh, enjoy walking in the outward dimension. You have to walk with your feet. You should not walk with your, your mind. If you walk with your mind, you will get lost. So in walking meditation, you have to involve your feet. You have to involve your, your body. With mindfulness, with the energy of mindfulness, you turn on every cell in your body. With uh, the power, with the energy of mindfulness, you turn on every cell of your body. And then you can walk. It is like electricity. You turn on all the, all the lamps. This is uh, this is uh, the basic condition for you to succeed. You may like to uh, bring your mind down to the level of your feet, on the sole of your feet. And you walk as if uh, you kiss the earth with your feet. Because down there, every cell is turned on. They are capable of touching. (coughs) You have turned on every cell in your body, including the cells down there on the sole of your feet. And that is why you can walk. You are completely free from your thinking about the past, uh, your worries about the future. You are completely free from your projects. your sorrow, your fear, your anger. The energy of mindfulness has turned you on. You are alive. You are fully present in the here and now. And that is the basic condition for you to touch uh, the wonders of life in the pure land, in the kingdom of God. You can enjoy deeply every step you make.
It's like when you put uh, a piece of chocolate into your mouth and you wait, you allow the chocolate to melt in your tongue. You're not rushing. The French uh, say, ça fond dans la bouche. It's melting in your mouth. And you feel all the flavor, the taste of the piece of chocolate. You allow the, the feeling, you allow the sensation to be penetrating into yourself. You can also walk like that. Every step you make, you can enjoy deeply, like a piece of chocolate. You know that it's not good to eat eat too much chocolate. Christmas is uh, approaching. But walking like this, you are not afraid of uh, excessive uh, consumption. Each step brings healing and nourishment to you. Each uh, step is like uh, a piece of chocolate without uh, cholesterol. (laughs) And you are capable of that, of doing that. Enjoy the kingdom of God in the here and the now. Enjoy the pure land, the wonders of life in the here and the now. In order to do that, use uh, the techniques of mindful breathing to generate the energy of mindfulness. And with the energy of mindfulness, you turn on all the cells in your body. This is easy. The friends say, c'est facile. C'est pas cher. You might like to walk slowly alone to taste every step. But you can also 
walk uh, faster, and yet the pleasure can be the same. Mindfulness can be slow and can be quick. Don't think that uh, mindfulness should be slow. In the sitting position, you also do the same. You are not walking, but you are breathing. Breathing is a kind of walk, walking, walk. In a sitting position, you turn on all the cells in your body. Remember, in the practice, you have to involve your body. Because your body is your mind. Is part of your mind. When you turn on all the cells in your body, they will come in phase with the same frequency the same uh, wavelength and you arrive at uh, a high highly unified state of being because all the cells the totality of the cells in you they become one in complete harmony And that is uh, thanks to the stimulation of uh, the energy of mindfulness. The cells uh, in your body that are pacemaker, pacemaker cells, As soon as uh, they are turned on by the energy of mindfulness, they begin to 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 create uh, the pace, and all the other cells will respond, and all the cells will sing in unison. They will be on the same frequency, the same wavelength. And you obtain a state of uh, concentration. Mindfulness and concentration is the energy that can turn you on physically and uh, mentally. And when every cell comes together 
as uh, an organism, uh, you enter into a state of concentration in perfect harmony. And uh, that is the foundation of uh, of uh, of enlightenment. Because uh, when your mind and, and body function like that, uh, there is mindfulness and concentration, and then. And in that state of being, it is easy to touch uh, the truth, to trust, to touch the ultimate reality. Because mindfulness and concentration can help the cells to behave like one. There is no longer separation. The one uh, behaves like uh, the all. And the one has become the all, and this is uh, this is possible because uh, of the energy called mindfulness and concentration. In uh, body uh, temperature, the Bose Einstein uh, condensate become possible. And uh, you are find yourself in a quantum uh, field where every cell is uh, seen as made of all the other cells where the one become the all and when the all can be seen in the one. And that is why insight is easy in the state of being, in the insight of interbeing, the insight of no self, the insight of emptiness, become very easy to, uh, to, to realize. Many Zen practitioners of many generations have tried to uh, to fight uh, sleepiness. They always uh, feel sleepy when they when they sit in meditation. So many generations of Zen practitioners fight very hard in order to stay awake during sitting. I also in the past have fought a lot in order to stay awake during sitting. But I have found out that struggling like that does not bring any result. Only when you when you become very interested in what you are doing only when you experience uh, bliss, happiness, that you can stay awake. And that is why you have to make your sitting 
interesting. Into a blessing. And suddenly you there's so much to enjoy during sitting and watching. And you don't have to fight anymore because you don't see people sleepy because it's so interesting. It's like a Dhamma talk. When you sleep, if you sleep during the Dhamma talk because you are bored, the Dhamma talk is not interesting. <laughs> but if the Dhamma talk is very interesting, you cannot sleep. You are turned on. And you don't have to make any effort, and you are very awake. The same thing is true in the sitting, in the in the walking. If you find a way to enjoy, if you see that that is your sense, if you know that it is a nourishing, healing, and you feel the happiness of uh, the Dharma practice. And then, even if you don't do, try to be awake, you are awake because you, are, you enjoy deeply uh, the sitting. If uh, the sitting is uh, boring, if you have to make a lot of effort to stay awake until the bell <coughs> tell you that is the end of the sitting. That sitting is not interesting. That sitting does not bring you much. You lose your time by practicing. You have had the experience that uh, you did not sleep at all that night. But in the morning, uh, the Dhamma talk was so interesting, you did not feel sleepy, right? And if, uh, even if you slept very well uh, the night before, and if the Dhamma talk is not interesting, you You sleep, you still feel sleepy, right? That is why to make the practice interesting, to make the practice enjoyable, that is the answer. That is the best way or the only way to fight against uh, sleepiness. You don't have to fight. That is the best way to fight. <coughs> Fighting the non Fighting, fight. That is true fight. (laughs) If you are capable of turning on all the cells of your body, having them come together in great harmony, and singing together 
the sound of unification, of peace. And then, your sorrow, your pain, your depression will naturally go away. And you don't need to, to do anything at all. Because that state of being uh, gives you a great capacity to heal. You don't do the healing, but the healing just comes, just realize itself. We all know that uh, if we allow our body to relax, to rest, our body will have the capacity to heal by itself. Everyone knows that. So the practice of sitting or walking, if done, in the way I propose, will help uh, your body and your mind to heal. We authorize them to heal. We are not standing on their way of healing. Because the tendency to struggle, the tendency to always look for something is uh, so strong in us. That we are no longer capable of uh, being there, deeply uh, established in the present moment and allowing us to be completely uh, in the moment, enjoying the moment. And that is uh, what uh, in uh, the Buddhist tradition called uh, shamatha, stopping, stopping, relaxing. The Buddha, our teacher, gave us uh, very concrete uh, practices. In the Sutra of Mindful Breathing, he, uh, he offered us a few, uh, 
a few exercises in order to realize that. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. He said, breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body. Sakva kaya. Sakva means the totality. Breathing in, I'm aware of the totality of my body, my whole body. It means every cell in my body. Your mindfulness should touch every cell in your body, not just a number of cells in the brain. Sakvakaya means the whole body. Breathing in, I am aware of my whole body. It's very clear. Breathing out, I relax my whole body. So the, the energy of mindfulness should touch all the cells in the body and should uh, recognize the presence of the cell in the body, should allow, should turn on all the cells of the, the body and allow all the cells of the body to relax. Breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body. Breathing out, I release the tension in all the cells of my body. And that is why I said that uh, when you practice, you have to involve your whole body, not a part of it, while sitting or walking. It's very helpful that in the sitting position, you embrace your whole body with the energy of mindfulness. And we learn now that our body is made of uh, cells. at least uh, 50, 50 trillions of cells. And every cell our body has the capacity of uh, being, of, uh, of, uh, of being alive by itself. Every cell has uh, intelligence within, has the capacity of uh, self-protecting, self-nourishing. Scientists have uh, taken human cells and and observed them in uh, vitro. And if uh, they give uh, enough uh, nutrition, our cells can live uh, for a long time. 
out of our body as uh, separate uh, entities. Our cells know how to protect them, themselves, how to get the nutrient, how to prevent the toxin to come in, how to open the membrane in order to receive uh, oxygen and nutrient. So we are made of cells like that. Our cells are capable, capable of listening, of uh, sensing, of understanding. And that is why uh, during <coughs> the time of sitting and walking, we should pay attention to every cell. We should uh, allow the energy of mindfulness to touch every cell and turn every cell on. And then they will come together in unison, and they will they will begin a concert. <coughs> there is a state of uh, unification, high unification, when they are all turned on and joined together as one organism. In that state of being, you feel, uh, you feel, you have uh, the feeling of uh, well-being, of harmony, of happiness. And this is uh, called uh, the Pháp-lạc, uh, uh, the joy, the happiness of, of the practice. And we should feel the joy, the happiness of practice in the sitting position and in the walking position or in any other position of the body. In the Thien, in the Zen tradition, we say that the practice uh, of uh, meditation is uh, the da- daily food. And that, that is why walking is also getting food, and sitting is also uh, getting the food. Thuyen yuk the joy, the happiness of meditation, of Zen, as daily food. So sitting is eating, walking is eating, getting the nutriment, and uh, the joy, the happiness, called the Dharma happiness, Fabla. We have a brother in the upper hamlet whose name is Fabla. He smiles a lot. So 
So practice sitting in such a way that you feel far back the happiness of the practice of the Dharma during the whole time of sitting. Practice walking meditation in such a way that you enjoy every step you make. Every step is nourishing, healing, bringing joy. Next year, we are going to have a retreat uh, on uh, neurosciences and uh, meditation. And uh, the retreat will help us uh, the retreat will be an opportunity for us to come together and learning from each other and put into the practice uh, what you have discovered in meditation, in Buddhism, what you have uh, discovered in neuroscience. One of the basic questions uh, neuroscientists used to ask is, how come that uh, the activities of uh, the neurons, the activities of the brain, the computation of the of the brain, with something objective, can bring out consciousness, which is something subjective. And so far, um, no one has been able to offer a satisfying uh, answer. It seems the majority think like this. This is, uh, this is the brain. Object. 
of our studies. That is the brain. That is the object of neuroscience. And that is a objective thing. We agree that that is something that exists outside of our consciousness. The overwhelming majority is thinking like that. The mind, uh, the, the brain exists as an objective uh, reality. And from that objective things emerge consciousness which is a, a subjective thing. And the question is how a objective thing can give rise to a subjective thing. How the computations of uh, the neurons can bring out consciousness. And there is fear that if consciousness is something that emerged from the brain, and then if we change the brain, we can, if we modify the brain, we can modify consciousness. In the in the in the Buddhist tradition, the way of looking is quite different. We think of uh, the human person. Uh, we think of the human person as having form, feelings, perceptions mental formations, and consciousness. And these five elements, they, they inter-are. One of the five contain the other four. Suppose this entity called uh, be brain and this entity called C consciousness if you are trained in the Buddhist tradition you see the brain as the object of your perception first of all you see the brain as the object of your perception there is a perception. If there's no perception, how you know that the brain is there? Right? So we begin with a perception. Perception is one of the five scanners. Form, feelings, perception. So perception 
is something that includes the subject the subject and the object of perception object perception this is uh, we draw like this a line in order to 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 distinguish between the element perceiver and the element object of uh, being perceived in the buddhist tradition we call this part uh, daksanabhaga kiến kiến phần hết pin rồi các kiến phần it can be translated as the perceiver the perceiver and this uh, part of perception is called nimitta bhaga tướng phần and it can be translated as the perceived and according to the buddhist insight the two part these two part of perception arise together at the same time if there is no object there is no subject there is n- if there is no uh, subject there is no object to perceive always means to perceive something la conscience c'est toujours conscience de quelque chose there cannot be a perceiver without the object perceived and that is why it is like uh, it's like uh, the line ah that gives rise to two triangles and this and this triangle and this one they arise at the same time 
the same thing is true with our perception. Subject and object arrive at the same time. Đồng thời cấu khởi, đồng thời tương ứng. They respond to each other. respond to each other at the same time. Synchronization. Đồng bộ. Đồng bộ. So, the, the Buddhist practitioner, they train themselves to see the object of perception as part of perception. So when they see the brain, they look at the brain, they know that the brain is the object of their perception. So they don't call it exactly something objective. Something objective. We all know Paris. There are those of us who stay in Paris for 20 years. There are those of us who have visited only uh, Paris for a few days. And each one one of us has an image of Paris that is uh, the object of our perception. And if we compare all the Paris that we have, no Paris resembles to another Paris, right? So Paris is, first of all, our perception. Even neuroscientists, each of them look at the brain differently. Each of them has his or her own brain, image of the brain. And then... uh, the brain is the object of our perception. And our perception is consciousness, is the mind. And uh, logically speaking, it is with our consciousness that we are looking at the brain. and the brain become part of our consciousness. And then there are those of us who study uh, consciousness. There are those of us who study uh, psychology. And consciousness become an object of our studies because we can observe the brain and we can observe our consciousness. So consciousness is also something objective. If you say that uh, the brain is something objective, and then consciousness as the object of your study should also be something objective also. Why do you believe that 
only the brain is objective and the conscious and consciousness is subjective. So both B and C are objects of consciousness. Consciousness studying consciousness. Consciousness become object of consciousness. And that is why in Buddhism we speak of another part. of perception. <coughs> the first part, Daksana Bhaga, the perceiver. The second part, Nimitta Bhaga, the perceived. And there is another part that observes both of them. And this is called uh, Sva, Sva Bhava. Bhaga, Tư Thế Phần, O Tư Chứng Phần. This is the base. One has a coin, a coin, one euro or one cent. When we look at the coin, we see uh, two faces. In French, uh, pile et face, and in English, what? Head and tails. You see the head, the first part is head, the second part is tail. The first aspect is head, the second aspect is tail. But both of them, base are base. On the third part, which is the copper, the metal. If uh, the metal is not there, it's impossible for, for, for the head and the tail to manifest. So that part is called uh, Svabhava, uh, Bhaga, the base. Tute, tute is the base. The substance. Mm-hmm. 
and in Buddhism, this is the real consciousness. This is only one small part of consciousness. And not only this come from the base, but this also come from the base. That is why this morning I said that our body is part of our mind. This uh, has wisdom in it. You can keep. So this part can observe this and can also observe this because uh, B and C can be uh, can be uh, the object of uh, of uh, of study. of inquiry when you practice meditation uh, you make use of uh, of B of C but you also make use of uh, we call it G ground make eaves of G, the ground for the manifestation of both body and mind. And this is what in Buddhism uh, that is called Vishnana, Vishnana. What we call consciousness, well, most of it is E. Thuk is Vishnana, is much, much broader than E, Manas. I think the neuroscientists will profit a lot from this kind of insight. They can go very far if they base themselves on this insight.
Einstein spoke of the four dimen- the fourth dimension, time. We have the space, which has three dimensions, and then uh, if we add uh, time, and then it will be the four dimension continuum. In Buddhism, we may speak of the five uh, dimension of five dimensions of reality. The first may be called rupa, matter. form. The first dimension is Rupa. There is a distinction uh, analysis in the Buddhist uh, teaching, but this distinction analysis is only for the sake of the practice, not for the sake of uh, describing the world. Buddhism is more interested in, in how to transform suffering. Buddhism is less interested in interpreting reality of the world. The difference between science and Buddhism is that science is trying to describe the world, and Buddhism is more interested in solving the problem of uh, of uh, suffering. But why trying to uh, transform suffering? The teaching um, shows the way, and why showing the way? It expresses also. The, uh, the insight about, uh, about reality. That is why we can profit. And that is why from time to time there is a distinction analysis in Buddhism. And, and we have said that that kind of uh, distinction, uh, that kind of analysis is only for the sake of the practice and not for the sake of interpreting the world. Like uh, like when we speak of uh, five scandals, we have a rupa form, feeling, perceptions, Mental formation, and consciousness. And if you look at these five skandhas, you see already, you see already the fact that this kind of uh, distinction, this kind of analysis is only to help uh, with the practice. Because Mental formations in the teaching of Buddhism may include uh, 51 categories.
mindfulness is one of them. Compassion is one of them. Anger is one of them. And feeling is one of them. Perception is one of the fifty-one. And yet, uh, Buddhism does not uh, analyze it into a three form, mental formation, and consciousness. Why not three, but five? Because feeling and perception are included in mental formations. So, for the sake of description, you can say form, mental formations, and consciousness, that's enough. Why single out feelings and perceptions? Because in the practice, it's very important to deal with your feelings. It's very important to deal with perceptions. That is why these things are treated separately. And you can see very well that if there is analysis in Buddhism, that is to help the practice and not to represent, not to interpret the world, not to interpret reality for the sake of uh, curiosity. And yet there is... uh, these mental formations, they are in consciousness. They are not something separate. Like when you say a river, and you say the water, the drops of water in the river. So consciousness is like the river, and men, all mental formations are like drops of water in the river. Why don't say just consciousness? Because mental formations are part of consciousness. And that is why analysis, distinctions in Buddhism, is for the sake of the practice. And then, according to the inside of Buddhism, consciousness involves nama and rupa. Rupa is form, and Dhamma is the mind. In the twelve link, Thập Nhị Nhân Duyên, We learned that uh, because of uh, delusion, because of delusion, ignorance, that is why the uh, impulses, the uh, formations are born. 
formations like anger, uh, or craving, all these kind of uh, afflictions are born because on the ground of uh, of confusion, of ignorance. And because of these uh, afflictions emerge uh, consciousness. This, uh, this is avidya. This is a samskara. This is Vishnana. And from consciousness arise Jansak Namarupa. mind and body, psychosoma. So, Vishnana here is the ground of uh, consciousness, and the body, the opposite of uh, Vijnana is Prasna. When Vijnana is completely purified, become Prasna. If you call it Vijnana because there is illusion and uh, and uh, negative formation in it. And because there is illusion and affliction in it, that is why uh, body and mind manifest like that. From prasnya, uh, body and mind manifest in a different way. Because uh, body and mind here carries delusion, afflictions in them. It's very clear that uh, from the ground of Vijnana are born, uh, manifest uh, body and mind. So consciousness, if it is a Vijnana, it includes both Nama and Rupa. And in that case, you, have to, you can cross form, because in consciousness, there are already form and, and the rest, like uh, sensation, uh, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and so on.
So the conclusion is that in Buddhism, sometimes we have to distinguish this from that. Sometimes we have to analyze. But this distinction, this analysis, is only for the sake of the practice. We have to remember that. So, when I speak of uh, the five dimensions, we have to bear in mind this is uh, for the sake of the practice and not for the practice of uh, describing the world. And the first dimension is rupa. And uh, rupa, in the old time, it has uh, fourfold form. It's fourfold. Not only in India, but also in the West. People believe that uh, the essence of uh, rupa is uh, water, fire, earth, and air. The four Mahabhuta. Until we discover the atoms. In French, uh, uh, we uh, speaking in French, we distinguish between uh, uh, la matière inerte and uh, la matière vivante, uh, living uh, matter or inanimate uh, matter. It has been a long time. People think of matter, of uh, matter, as composed by eyes. Eyes is matter. Ear, nose, tongue, body, <coughs> not mind, and then form, sound. Uh, smell, taste, touch, and mental object. Nine.
mental objects means uh, ideas. Like uh, ideas we have of, uh, of things. The image of a person that has had a big influence in us is there in us. And this, uh, that image, like the image of our country, our city, our friends, they can, uh, they can intervene, they can uh, condition our way of thinking and acting. They are energy. And as they are, as they are energy, they are matter because energy and matter are very close. And this is, a, is written in Chinese, Fab Su. Yep. It's the kind of matter that uh, are included in mental objects. Fapsu, Dhamma, Ayatana. Dhamma, Dharma, Ayatana. You know, sometimes that uh, the object of our uh, consciousness become uh, come uh, something very strong in us, and they continue to to weigh heavily on us. That our way of speaking, thinking, acting are conditioned by it. They follow us like a ghost. And they can, uh, they can, uh, they are a kind, they are a kind of energy, and that is also matter. And there is uh, matter that is that is called that matter that is called that is uh, described as uh, something that is extremely concentrated. 
cực hạnh sắc That is the atoms, that is the proton and the neutron, extremely concentrated. Ce qui est très concentré and uh, be some sepika in all time they already they have already been able to see that that uh, The, the small, the smallest things that is very concentrated. First. That which is very concentrated. And then come Translated by that which belong to space. Abhya Vakashika. And this kind of matter is very light. The mass is almost nothing, and there may there may, may be no mass at all, like uh, like the pro, the photon. And this is the neighborhood of space. It is almost space. It's called lung hư trần. Lung hư means the neighborhood of space. It is almost no no matter. It is the neighborhood of space. It is space. It's difficult to distinguish between space and this kind of uh, matter. And then the kind of matter speaking, spoken of here follow, uh, is followed with Tho Sơ Yang Sắc.
sama Danika. That which belong to the mindfulness training. Ce qui appartient à la discipline d'engagement. You have listened to the five mindfulness trainings. You have listened to the 14 mindfulness trainings. And you feel that you need, you have the need of receiving the trainings in order to live a better life, a life of uh, practice, a life of uh, peace and joy. So you ask the Sangha to transmit to you the five mindfulness trainings. Or you ask the Sangha to ordain you as a monk or a nun. And uh, during that ceremony of ordination, you receive this kind of, uh, of matter of energy. And after the audition, you become another person. Your face looks brighter. You have more energy because you have the precept body in yourself. You can see the difference between an aspirant and a novice. After having, after having received the uh, the ten trainings, their face look very different. And there is much more energy in them. You, you don't see that energy. But that energy uh, influence and motivate them to do the things that they have not been able to do before the ordination. And that is a kind of energy that is a kind of matter spoken of in Buddhism. Those of us who have uh, received the trainings, who have practiced in order to uh, to uh, to uh, uh, to live according to the trainings, we have that kind of energy in us that people don't, and that is also part of uh, of rupa. And that since that uh, that kind of matter does not uh, does not manifest, and we call it vobiushak, uh, the matter that does not manifest on the appearance, but it is there. It makes you stronger. It makes you uh, happier, uh, more secure. And that is uh, the practice of the precepts, the practice of the mindful trainings that you nourish in you with the with your daily life. And everyone who has received the trainings, the precepts, know that they have got energy. And they have to nourish that energy in order for the energy to grow and to protect them and to make them happy uh, for a long time. So it's interesting to see how uh, Buddhism think of matter. 
of La Matia. And here you don't see anymore the limit between energy and matter. And this is more than 2,000 years ago. The fourth is Biến Kế Khởi Sắc. This is also a energy. And this is the energy come from the way you look at things. Binke means uh, uh, imagination, mental constructions. That which is uh, Mental construction, not reality. You think of father and son as two, two uh, entities, different entities. You don't see the connection between the two. You don't see the father in the son. You don't see the son in the, in the father. You don't see. You are not capable of seeing the sunshine in the flower. You are not capable of seeing the cloud in the flower. You always discriminate. You think that everything is outside of everything else. That is a, a kind of uh, a way of seeing based on discrimination, based on, uh, on uh, ignorance. And it brings a lot of suffering. And this is also energy the energy that brings out a lot of suffering. Not like uh, the energy Samanda Nika. This brings solidity and freedom and joy. This brings suffering, separation, delusion. And it is in you. And that is why you have to learn how to look at things differently. We have to see things not outside of each other. We have to learn things to see things inside of each other. Now, um, David Bohm, that uh, well-known uh, scientist in Great Britain, he wrote a book uh, with the title The uh, Exclusive uh, Ex. Uh, uh, The two orders are the implicate order, the explicate order, and the implicate order. He uh, practiced looking deeply as uh, a physicist. And he's, he, he was able to see that one electron is made of uh, other electrons.
he was capable of seeing that uh, the one contains uh, the all. And he said that uh, uh, we, we used to see things in their explicate order. We see things outside of each other. The sunshine is outside of, uh, of the flower. Uh, the milk is outside of the ice cream. We don't see uh, things in their implicate order. And seeing things uh, only in the explicate order is uh, that which is made of uh, mental constructions. It does, it does not uh, um, reflect reality as it is. So training ourselves in order to see uh, the whole universe in a grain of uh, mustard, and then you you can touch uh, the implicate order, and you can get rid of uh, this kind of uh, energy in you that creates so much suffering, which is made of uh, mental constructions. And uh, the last category of matter is Din Tử Tài Sở Sinh. This is also a source of an energy that is uh, that is the outcome of uh, meditation, concentration, mindfulness. With mindfulness and concentration, you have that energy in you that can bring you freedom. Tự tài means freedom. And this is what I spoke about this morning. When we have, uh, when we practice mindful breathing, we generate energy of mindfulness and concentration. And with that energy, we turn all the cells in our body on. And we bring everything together in harmony, in peace. And this energy which is the base of that, uh, the foundation of that peace and harmony, uh, is considered to be a kind of uh, rupa, a very uh, uh, subtle, you cannot uh, uh, photography, <laughs> you cannot uh, draw, you cannot explain. So when we, when we, uh, we begin, by saying that matter begin with eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, form, sound, me- uh, smell, taste, touch, mental object, and we continue with uh, which is uh, extremely concentrated, which is uh, very light, very close to space, which is uh, which is um, the 
uh, which which is the effect of uh, uh, the mindfulness trainings, uh, which is the effect of uh, mental uh, construction, and which is uh, the freedom and the joy born from mindfulness and concentration. And you see that that is the description of uh, matter in Buddhism. And you no longer see the the line separating uh, between uh, uh, nama, rupa, body and mind. In uh, modern physics, the particle is sometimes described as a wave and sometimes described as uh, a particle. The same uh, particle sometimes uh, manifests itself as a wave, energy. Sometimes manifests itself as a particle. And in our daily uh, way of uh, seeing, this is uh, a little bit difficult to accept. A particle should be a particle. A particle is different from a wave. A wave is a wave. It cannot be a particle. And yet, when people uh, uh, do the uh, experimentation, they see that the same particle sometimes reveals itself as a wave, sometimes else reveals itself as a particle. And uh, that is why uh, they have uh, invented a new word uh, to call that particle a wavico. Wavico. It can be, it is a particle, it is at the same wavico. Let us go back to what we draw in the beginning. This is the brain. This is the consciousness. This is the ground. The ground, Vishnana, sometimes manifests itself as a matter, sometimes manifests itself as consciousness. What you think to be matter, be careful. It may be consciousness. What you may think of consciousness, be aware, it may be matter because uh, you cannot draw a line between the, between the two things. And this is a way out for the scientists who are stuck in the idea that matter is matter and mind is mind. The two are two different uh, entities. But in the Buddhist teaching, both are manifestation from the same ground. And we can learn to look at the brain as consciousness. 
we can learn to look at the body as consciousness. We also can learn to look at consciousness as body. The lesson we can learn from this Dhamma talk is that uh, we have to treat our body as our consciousness. The practice has to involve our body in it. You cannot just practice with your mind because your body is your consciousness. Your body is one aspect of your consciousness and your consciousness is a part of your body. And you cannot say that the body gives birth to consciousness our consciousness gives birth to the body. Uh, it's not uh, consciousness that emerges from, from a body, or the body emerges from consciousness, but they manifest together at the same time. Like, uh, like the two tri- triangles. Not one first and give rise to the other. And if you look like that, you can solve many questions. có nhận được cái bài của sư cô gửi hôm qua cái bài á cái bài bài đầu của là thường bài nó có trong máy rồi này của sư cô định nghiêm this is for you có rồi 